Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today, I have Dr. Jade Ranger. Dr. Ranger is the co-owner of The Prescription Shop in Williamsburg, Virginia, author of The Mustard Seed Mentality, and graduate from Hampton University. So go Pirates. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ranger. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I was super happy when you reached out um, with the invitation. I'm looking forward to talking with you and your listeners. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it too because, you know, we're going to hit our range of topics here, but I think the thing that we should start with and is core to kind of a lot of what you've done, and that's your book called The Mustard Seed Mentality. Can you discuss what this book is about and what motivated you to write it? Absolutely. You know, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, and I juggle all the things, right? And I can't say that I do it flawlessly. It's definitely a struggle. And, you know, it's more of kind of an organized chaos from day to day. But I just see so many other women in my positions, and maybe not necessarily entrepreneurs, but still working moms. um, And they're really just trying to figure it out every day like I am I'm not an expert and so but I felt kind of compelled to show, share a little bit of my story because I believe very much in uplifting other women um, particularly women of color and I just felt like you know even in the process of writing the book I I suffered a little bit myself from you know imposter syndrome and I questions like hey you know I've only been married for almost 10 years um, my kids really aren't that old I've got an eight and four year old a boy mom Also, my business is almost only three years old. So it's not that I really have a ton of experience, but I still feel like, you know, I found a few things that have helped me along my journey. And so, you know, what the heck, let me put it out there. And really what it's all about is if someone else finds something that I've said or something in my experience that's beneficial to them. So that's kind of what the book is about. But ultimately, the basis of the book is about faith and how it really doesn't require that much faith. You know, Matthew seventeen twenty tells us we just need the faith of a mustard seed. And so that is the basis of the, basically the foundation of my life and all of the roles. And so the faith is weaved throughout the book as I talk about my experiences as a wife and a mother and an entrepreneur. You know, so that's pretty much it in a nutshell. You know, it's funny you say, I only have three years experience. Three years experience of a small business owner is three years more than most people in America. So I think that's pretty, uh, you know, three years is a lot. I mean, it can be a lifetime essentially when what it feels like with some of that. I think the mustard seed part is really core to a lot of this and that faith. And it's funny, I don't know if I told you this in the lead up to it, but my wife always, when we would do CrossFit and when we met, wore a necklace with a little mustard seed in it. So it kind of, when I read the title, like strikes home to me of like, I get exactly what you're talking about. How does that mustard seed mentality apply to you opening your own pharmacy with your husband too? Well, first of all, I love that your wife has a necklace like that because I also have a necklace like that. (laughs) Um, The mustard seed (laughs) has been a part of my life for a very long time, long before I ever authored um, the mustard seed mentality. So, so, so cool. But it, you know, the mustard seed mentality, the faith base, I mean, it played such a major role in my husband and I kind of taking that leap of faith and branching out on our own. I think so often people think because we're both pharmacists and we met in pharmacy school that this was like the game plan all along. And I assure you, (laughs) it was not. We never discussed opening our own pharmacy. That was not a thing. Our careers were going well. My husband was kind of climbing corporate ladder with his previous employer 
And I was very content in my position. We had a young family, was not a part of our game plan. Around July of 2018, he kind of started expressing that while things were going well with his career, he just didn't feel totally fulfilled. And what if we just, you know, start our own pharmacy? And I was like, what if we didn't? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, that it, it was a very cracking time for me because my husband is extremely ambitious. He's um, always been a big time go-getter. And I'm much more reserved, like very calculated, a big time planner, horrible case of OCD. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, you know, that's not really part of my game plan. And so it was one of those things where we kind of had to talk our way through that. But ultimately, I think what was able to get me over the hump and, you know, gave me uh, the strength to agree was the faith because it was something that we prayed about consistently. We talked to our pastor about and kind of had some sessions with him and talked through kind of the pros and cons and ultimately kind of came to the conclusion that if God has this for us, you know, he will lead us along this journey. And if not, that will become abundantly clear also. And from there, you know, thankfully we're in a profession that we would be able to get another job. So while that would be stressful and would likely cause us some you know, financial disruption, it's not like we would never be able to come back from it. So it was definitely the faith that kept me grounded through that whole decision-making process and through the entire journey. So I, it's all, all of that goes back to the mustard seed faith. Yeah. You know, and one thing I've heard before, and you can probably attest to this, but whenever you're trying to start something or you're going to wait for that perfect opportunity, you're never going to find it perfect no matter what. You'll be able to find something imperfect with what you're doing, which may strike a little bit of OCD. So you really have to have that faith that, I don't want to say imposter syndrome, but like that ability just to kind of lean into that so that you can make that jump at some point because it's just otherwise it'll, it's never going to be perfect when you keep waiting. And I think- Absolutely. You're so right about that. Like, honestly, that was my main kind of concern. Like, we've got such a young family. I mean, at that time, our little one was not even one yet. And my older one was- so it was like we got such a young family like what if this goes wrong like we're responsible for these for small children these tiny humans and you know we have to have a solid foundation for them but i think what you just mentioned is completely accurate there's never going to be a right time to take a major risk right but it's so worth it when you do because chances are just like chances are it, 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 it might not work out, chances are it could, you know, and then it changes the whole trajectory of your life. And that's what our story kind of shows. You know, and we had talked about this too. When it comes to pharmacy in general, we need to have like kind of that mustard seed mentality because whether it's fighting for what's right, uh, eventually as we'll get to like talking with legislators, fixing payment models, a lot of the stuff that we're fighting is we have to fight an uphill battle in pharmacy. Like we're fighting to, okay, doctor calls a prescription and we're working with the patient and we need to kind of like reach back out to them. But like, Hey, here's what this is. There's no reason that they actually have to accept it, but we have that faith of what we're doing and that faith of our knowledge that they're going to trust us and they're going to, we'll be able to explain it to them or that faith in the case of something like fixing a payment model where we're fighting like, you know, fortune four companies that eventually Correct. the light will come through and that will shine through that this is what <laughs> is right. And is that kind of like another way of looking at this with pharmacy? 100%. I mean, to be honest, when I graduated from pharmacy school, the experience that I initially had in a small kind of community grocery store setting, I was there for a few years with Farm Fresh before I transitioned over to Walmart. And 
at first I kind of felt like, oh, okay, you know, this is what, you know, I went to school to do, but then it quickly changed. And I've only been a pharmacist for 10 years myself coming up in May. I graduated in 2012. And to see just how things have changed so much, and I can't even imagine for pharmacists who've come years before me, it's really unfortunate to see the way that pharmacists used to be held in such high regard and had so much respect in the community and so much trust. And now because of kind of the powers to be, it has really left a stain on our profession. And so now we're having to fight tooth and nail to try to kind of dig ourselves out but also um, to remind people like, hey, we, you know, we matter. We are relevant. We are a part of the healthcare system and we play a vital role. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always hard when you have to, I don't want to say explain to the general public, but the people who aren't on our side of the bench, kind of what we do or how we can make our impact felt, especially because a lot of times pharmacists have a big dollar sign behind our name when we see the average pay stuff. Now that is, yeah. has been going down a little bit, but when you can justify that, you know, pretty quickly, or you can find a way to justify, justify it in general, that's a big impact you're making when you look at those dollar figures. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's unfortunate honestly, that we see going down. You know, when I have students that are telling me what their offer letters are, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because, you know, we've spent six to eight years obtaining our doctorate degree um, acquired in most people's cases, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of school loans. And they've given us more responsibilities and more tasks along the way, but yet they want to pay you less money. It just doesn't add up. Yeah. Exactly. But as you had mentioned earlier, you and your husband opened your own pharmacy from the ground up. It wasn't tied to the other um, prescription shops that we see. It is unique to Williamsburg. And that is just so incredibly hard. We've heard how hard this is from other independent owners, but can you explain what has really helped lead you to all the success you had and maybe some of the way along your journey? Yeah, you know, I won't sugarcoat it for um, anyone who's listening and, you know, independent pharmacy it's serious business. It's not easy. And so sometimes I feel like people see our journey and they're like, oh, wow, you know, they feel we make it look so easy. But it's a lot of work from the very beginning, because like you mentioned, this is not a franchise. And while there are other the prescription shops around the country, we have zero ties to them. Uh, we've got different logos and models and everything like that. And so when you talk about really building a pharmacy from the ground up, there's a tremendous amount of work and effort that goes into that. I usually tell people who are inquiring or asking, you know, about that process. I do believe you should have some experience within the profession. I would not recommend a new grad just jumping out there. Now, granted, you know, if you want to go for it, then by all means. But I do think it's important that you kind of have the opportunity to work in the profession and kind of learn some of the ins and outs. First, and I think that's what really helped us because we were able to get some of the hands-on experience. And so while we were not an expert by any means, we had some knowledge, we had some experience. So when we decided to do this, we were at least able to model ourselves out of what we knew community pharmacy was supposed to look like. Now, granted, there were plenty of things that we kind of had to learn on the fly and along <laughs> the way. And that's still an ongoing process every single day. But you know, having that kind of base, I think, was very helpful because, again, we knew what the expectation was. So there was that aspect of it. But I really think, to be honest, the thing that has contributed the most to our journey is the fact that we have really best 
invested our time and energy into our community. And so for our listeners who may be missed or whatever the case, we're in Williamsburg, Virginia. It's a small town. Um, you know, people here care about supporting locals. So I don't know if our business venture would have been equally as successful if we had opened in a major city or a metropolitan area. But for a place like this, it's perfect. Uh, and it's one of those, because we've taken the time to get out in our community and what I like to call making a difference beyond the counter, that has paid us big time dividends. And so whether that is, you know, partnering with other local businesses, putting on events and things like that, it has just been phenomenal to see the journey thus far. You know, we've lived in Williamsburg since 2011 and, you know, we always felt like it was a nice community, but when we became small business owners in this community, it really opened us up to a whole nother community, essentially. We've, you know, gotten so many connections or made so many connections and gained so many friendships with other small business owners. And I think that's just been a very cool aspect and it's allowed us to continue to grow. But the other part of that is being, I think, our true authentic selves. We had just celebrated our one year anniversary when the pandemic hit and that was life changing for all of us, right? Everyone around the world, new business owners, you know, we had to do a lot of pivoting and kind of, you know, just making things as we go. And it was very um, nerve wracking at first, but it was something we were able to overcome by getting ourselves more involved with our community and kind of caring about more than just the prescription shop and our small business. And so like example of that would be, you know, the restaurant business was hit when they initially had the more strict lockdown um, process and procedures going on. And so we had a 33-week run of Friday nights. We would take a picture of the prescription shop car in front of our local restaurant and then do a food review about, you know, how tasty this restaurant was or whatever, how, you know, and, and the purpose of it was to encourage our neighbors and friends that, yes, while you can't dine inside of the restaurant, these restaurants are still others. They're just like small businesses, like um, business owners like we are, and they're still trying to survive. So trying to encourage people, at least go get the takeout, do the curbside pickup. And that was something that we kind of just started. It was called local support and local was like this, you know, organic campaign. We started on social media that really took off and turned into a whole thing here. And it was like, Oh, our patients loved in there, you know, coming in, where are you guys going to eat on Friday? Or you should try this place. And by the time it was all said and done, we had done it for 33 weeks. The Williamsburg Restaurant um, Area Association wound up recognizing us and giving us a gift and thank, you know, thanking us for highlighting the local restaurants in this area. So that was cool. But another example, um, you know, while we were one of the first pharmacies in Williamsburg to get the COVID-19 vaccine, it was time period we were doing about 110 111 vaccines every day for almost a month on top of filling prescriptions on top of compounding on top of pill packs on top of deliveries it was exhausting i have never been so exhausted in my entire career but <laughs> the impact that we had on our patients was incredible i mean to have people coming to you in literal tears like you saved my life or you saved my parents' life or you're going to help us return back to, to normal. It was things were moving so fast that we didn't have opportunity to really soak up that experience. But when we reflect and look at that time period when we had friends and neighbors and patients 
dropping off dinner and lunch. And I mean, they literally cheered us on. I mean, it it's amazing to think about the impact that we had in such a short time period. And honestly, that's part of what catapulted us to the level of success that we have now. And then continuing to kind of keep our foot on the gas and doing things like partnering with a local immigration lawyer here to do a clinic for those who may be undocumented, who may be concerned or worried about just going into the local pharmacy to ask for a vaccine because they thought, you know, maybe that would bring attention to themselves. And so little initiatives like that have gone a very long way for us, but then really building those relationships with our patients and getting to know them truly, them getting to know us. You know, they come into our store, they see our little boys running around, they feel that <laughs> connection. When the vaccine became available, we had some people on the fence because they trusted us. They listened to our recommendation on that, you know, and it's our motto is where you're not a customer, you're family. And that's something that we really try to stick to. And so when, you know, we've got a patient who uh, their child is graduating from a high school, you know, we acknowledge that we give them a gift, a card. If there's a birth in the family, we acknowledge that if there's a death in the family, we acknowledge that. And I, you know, it takes, a short time to write a card or get a gift card, but the impact that it has on people, it's like they never forget that and they appreciate it so much, you know? So I think really, like I said, just taking the time to get involved, but also um, to put ourselves out there, you know, 2020 came with a lot of struggles, not just financially, not just with the economy, but we also faced a real racial reckoning um, yeah. in this country. And I think, you know, as small business owners, we had a choice to make and we could choose to kind of stay silent and, you know, didn't want to ruffle any feathers, especially living in Williamsburg. That's a predominantly white area. Or we could say something. And that's something that we kind of grappled with ourselves. But, you know, when we had Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I'm being slain the manner in which they were, we felt it was necessary for us to use our voices and speak up. And it was risky. Who, you know, who knows the, the response we were going to get from that. I did a post on social media that went viral here locally, and that turned into an op-ed. I'm in a local newspaper, the Virginia Gazette, which got so much good feedback. And while I was super nervous to put it out there and kind of talk a bit more in detail about our experiences as um, black business owners and just black people living in this country and yeah. kind of how that affects us on a day-to-day -day basis. And some of the examples I talked about is like, hey, you know, we stay late in our store to do um, an inventory or to put up Christmas decorations. And I called the non-emergent line for the police department just to let them know we're going to be in there because I don't want the police officer who's patrolling our shopping center to wonder why the lights are on at one o'clock and come in and mistake us for the intruders. Um, we got our car wrapped, not for the advertisement. So it was crystal clear what my husband was doing as he was driving around town in the evenings after the store closed, doing the deliveries before we hired a delivery driver. So these were things that I think humanized us and people realized like, hey, you know, they're real people. They're just regular people like we are, you know, that we see in the grocery store or the cleaners or whatever, and folks, I think, could relate to that or at least empathize with the authenticity that they saw there. You know, I don't know of a better way to put this, but since we were talking about your book, The Mustard Seed Mentality, and what you did there, 
you really just spread the faith. So for lack of a better term, you spread the mustard seeds out to people. And no matter <laughs> no matter what way you want to quantify that, right? Whether it, whether it was taking a stance politically for the um, Black Lives Matters movement or for like the, the killing of like Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Brown Taylor, or whether it was helping out those local businesses that were, you know, restaurants I remember around here were just like, oh no, this could be our end, like because of what the yeah. pandemic was bringing. And I don't know if you realized at the time, but you going there and getting them any extra media, maybe getting someone else encouraged to try them, whatever it was, you kind of gave them, like you took your mustard seed and like gave it to them in that case. And now they had a little bit of faith and they might've got a little more business, even if it was only 10% more, like at that point in the pandemic, that was huge for them because we've seen so many restaurants close around the country. And even in Cleveland here, there's Iron Chef Michael Simon had closed a good chunk, if not all of his restaurants. And he's a legend around here. Like we like eat, breathe and sleep his food. And if that guy's having to close restaurants, like what's it doing for everybody else? Like that was always an eye opener right. for me. And so when you can have someone like you going out and trying to help those little businesses by any means, sure, it's some PR for you too. But like, that's not the point right. behind it. Like the point is, yeah. hey, go help, like go love thy neighbor for lack of a better term. And, you know, by spreading that around, that came back to really help you and help you stay successful. And it's crazy that, you know, a, com- a business that's been in there for one year and then a pandemic hits. And I'm not sure if you looked at it this way, but when we started knowing vaccines were coming, we're like, okay, this is going to be a huge boon to us, at least in theory, right, from the finances part. How can we help spread this out to everybody else, right? Like, how can we go buy lunch here, yeah. share a couple bucks there, help them out, like drive people around, whatever it is with the business side. So I think that that's, that's awesome. I don't know if, if, you know, that's the way you looked at it, spreading your mustard seed around. But that's the way I look at it because when you do that and you add some water or some love in this case, then things grow from that, in this case, relationships. And I think that, that just cannot be told enough when it comes to a story like this for your business. How awesome. I actually did not look at it like that, but I love <laughs> I love the way you put that together. Um, you know, I am a deeply passionate person. I'm someone who cares about other people all the time. And It's one of those things where, you know, that whole pay it forward has always been such a driving force in my life, even since a child. It's behavior I saw my mother, you know, model for me. And it's and I've seen it come true time and time again. And I I really, really believe that God has blessed us so substantially because of the way that we've been willing to help others assist where we can even when there's not a limelight, even when people don't realize that you're doing X, Y, and Z, you know, there's so many things, so many ways that we've helped patients. Hey, you can't afford your insulin this month. Don't worry about it. Take it. You know, you need this, give it to us when you have it. I mean, that's the type of impact that you can have as an independent community pharmacy owner, where in Walmart or CVS or anywhere else, that's not an option. Yeah. Us, we can make those calls. Um, because we truly know our patients, we know what their circumstances, and we know they're not trying to get over on us. And so when you are in a position where you can help someone in that way, while it may be a little thing to you, or maybe not so little, depending on how much money we're talking about for small business owners, we still have to have a viable business so we can stay in business. Um, but that goes such a long way with our patients and the allegiance, the loyalty that they have from those you know, little situations along the way. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. 
Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things too, like you said, you've been blessed with whether it's even getting a loan for your business, which we all know can be hard when you're starting from the ground up. You're, you're or, right about that. <laughs> or your experiences or your education, whatever it is, right? Like when you've been given so much and you've used it and you're trying to make something better, like too much is given, much is expected. And like, that's what you're doing by paying that forward to people. And I think that that's, that's super commendable. And I think that's things that sometimes gets lost in the sauce of the business world, especially when it comes to healthcare and we're looking at the price tags on everything. And I know that's why I'm, I know that's why I like where I work because we are financially incentivized and obligated to really take care of people. And that's part of the reason that it drove me to where I was. I'm not an independent, but we are a smaller operation and it is Mm -hmm. kind of operated like an independent. So I know that we have a lot of that too, but when you're, when you're in a situation like yours, you're starting from the ground up and you have, nothing but your own monetary interest in in mind, <laughs> it's a little bit harder to make some of those decisions, I'm sure. And I know that you said you really like mentoring others and have tried to use some of this, you know, mentality or this kind of like love sharing with them. Can you experience kind of like what you've seen when you have mentored others and what you've seen grow from that? Because like you said, this isn't easy and it might not be for everybody. It's absolutely not for everyone, but um, so we are the prescription shop preceptors for Hampton University School of Pharmacy students. Um, That is our alma mater. It's only about 40 minutes down the road from us. And the impact that we're able to have on our students, that has actually been a life-changing experience for me, by the way, because it has really created a passion in me for young adults. I've always kind of um, mentored kids in some capacity, like through church or my sorority, interacting with the pharmacy students. I think in this way has been mutually beneficial for both the students and my husband and I. And I say that because, you know, so often the students come in, they are pumped, okay? They are super excited. Many of them, you know, express right out the gate, like I've never been in a Black-owned pharmacy before. They talk about how much that, you know, that experience means to them. And we really adopt them. Um, you know, we learn things from them. They're learning new things all the time in school that, you know, I, I don't have a clue about. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of a cool experience. But also, um, you know, we're able to give them more than just advice as a preceptor. You know, we have students that were on our rotation two years ago that, you know, when they're in the Hampton Roads area, they still stop by and see us. They still call us. They still text us. We have students who will call, you know, in tears, FaceTiming because, they pass their NAPLEX and their board exam. So, I mean, to know that you're having that kind of impact on students, it's something that has really kind of lit a fire in me and makes me think like, okay, down the line, if I have an opportunity to do anything in academia, that's something I will 100% be open to because it has been that rewarding for me. And so the other cool part about it is Um, We're now dealing with students that are not only from Hampton. You know, we've had students from Shenandoah Valley reach out, you know, school pharmacy in that area. Um, We've talked with them. We talked to SNAPA students. um, And so that was kind of like they were doing a retreat. So that was from students all over the country. And I have one coming up with a school in Chicago. And so to see how now all of these students have kind of gotten wind of the little prescription shop in (laughs) Williamsburg, Virginia, And now we're like reaching out and wanting to hear our story, wanting to get advice from us. I mean, it's something that I would have never envisioned when we first started this journey, but it's definitely one of my favorite parts of our journey. And I think that, you know, and so much recognition here locally, so many accolades and awards, 15 under 50, 40 under 40, 
early small stage business of the year. Um, you know, best of best two years in a row. I mean, so we've had so many accolades, but the reality is, is that none of those come close to really knowing that you are having an impact on someone's life and you're planting a seed that they will then take and they will remember for the rest of their lives. And so that is something I take much pride in and I'm excited to really amp that up as much as possible. So I welcome all the students, please, please reach out to us. We did a two hour zoom with um, one student who, you know, he was on the staff of call. He said, Hey, like I'm interested in opening my own independent pharmacy back in Cali where I'm from. Um, he kind of talked about the area where he was from. That's a passion, you know, uh, project for him. And we said, hey, absolutely, reach out to us. We had a two-hour Zoom, and we're still going to be talking to him down the line. And so, like I said, just knowing that you're kind of planting those seeds and having that impact, you can't put a price tag on that. You know, it's funny you say that because there was a fraternity brother of mine. It's a pharmacy fraternity, so we're nerdy. And he <laughs> he was his first uh, semester on campus, and I was the advisor for the chapter at the time. And we had talked. After 30 minutes, I just knew. Even though we're from me and him are from different backgrounds, I just knew. I'm like, this. you're under my wing. You're only 18. I, I want to see you become a man in this field. And it's funny because he came to my wedding and everything like that, and here we are years later. We're still best friends. He just invited me to his wedding. And it was funny because when I first time I met his mom, she was like super appreciative. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's nice to meet you or whatever. And he goes, no, she appreciates the fact that, uh, you know, you paid for me to go take the uh, – uh, to apply to go get into pharmacy schools and stuff like that. I'm like, man, it was like a couple hundred bucks, like whatever. Like, uh, you know, I have spent more money than that on a weekend doing stupid stuff. But right. it was just one of those things. I just helped him and I didn't realize that kind of like I guess you didn't at the time when I was – you know, I just planted that seed for him. Like, here you go. Don't worry about it. Like, I got you. And – then he got into pharmacy school and he now has his doctorate degree and is successful because of one of the schools I paid for him to apply to. And to me, it was like, it's a couple hundred bucks, man. If that's what it takes to get you there, like, I'm really, I don't care. You know, like I have spent right. money in stupider ways. And, you know, you just had, he, he had the ability, he just needed a little bit of resources. And I actually had forgot about it until he reminded me like a year or two ago about it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> totally I didn't even think about that you know like that was how little of an impact it was for me to even do that for him but how big of an impact it was for him so kind of going back to that mentoring with the mustard seed mentality and spreading those seeds it's one of those things that sometimes you don't realize what you're planning because you're just doing it to be a good human and what you probably should do even if you're only one step further that's really all you're doing for somebody to make their life easier but that shows the impact it can have on their lives absolutely it's I mean, you said it. it, it could be something little for, for you, but the thing that I think um, makes it so rewarding for me is because when I see the students, of course, you know, we have some guys, um, which are like my little brothers, but we have um, <laughs> mainly a lot of women and young women. And the thing that I think makes it all come full circle for me is because I remember being in their shoes. I remember, it's like, I can see myself, you know, in them. And I remember, wondering like oh my gosh am I going to make it through pharmacy school like how am I going to do this I remember the struggle I remember doubting myself I remember wondering you know if I was ever getting into the profession if I was you know was I going to have a real impact was I going to live up to the expectation and I remember the professors that I had and that was such an integral part of me attending HBCU going to historically black college for me was monumental because it allowed me to see women who looked like me, who really weren't that much older than me, um, set that example for me. And 
they made me believe in myself because I was like, look, I mean, she's, you know, they're beautiful women. They're smart. They are accomplished. They are fly. Like they were, they just encompass so many of the attributes that I hope to have myself. And so to be on the other side of that and to know that my students feel the same way about me, I mean, it's just like, I couldn't ask for anything more to know that, you know, someone paid it forward to me. And now I'm also lifting as I climb. And so that, um, really just speaks volumes to how I think, you know, we can uplift other people. Um, and if we, you know, it just takes a little bit of extra time, you know, like you said, you don't even have to go out of your way in a major way, but people will remember the smallest gestures. Um, and to us, it was, you know, something little, but to them, it means the world. And so that that's a big deal. You know, and especially in a profession like pharmacy, which I, I don't want to say I'm going to call it out, but, you know, take it for what you will. When you look at the the rate of pharmacists that are just black in general, I'm just kind of looking at an APHA article here. It says the percentage of black pharmacists more than doubled during this period from 2.3 to 4.9% respectively. So in 2019, there's like 5% of all pharmacists are black. And that is not a lot. So when you're having that yeah. that impact on as many as you have, you're really affecting a large percent of the community that look like them as pharmacists. And I know this is something that it's important to make sure we address equity in any number of reasons and ways. And I don't mean to laugh at that. I'm just like, you know, the list goes on. And just because pharmacy is so white dominated, and I believe Asian Mm -hmm. is the second most common when it comes to that race, like disproportionately Mm -hmm. to where we are in the overall economy of America. And then we, like Mm -hmm. I said, we see black at 5%, like that's, it's well, what 13%, I think. So very underrepresented in that area. And it's predominantly women too, who have increased it in the mm-hmm. uh, profession of pharmacy. So, you know, it's really hitting on a lot of economic and cultural factors right there. So the fact that you have that many relationships really speaks volume to how you're serving people who I not to want to say look like you, but people that you grew up surrounded by and empowering them, which I think is amazing. It is. I mean, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think so often, you know, we are immediately kindred spirits because as a black woman, there's things that I've experienced personally and professionally that I know no other person can relate to outside of another black woman. And whether it's, you know, people second guessing my intelligence, whether it's people quick to try to label my um, assertiveness for, oh, I'm feisty, whether it's, you know, a constant conversation every time I change my hairstyle. I mean, there's so many things that I constantly have to kind of overcome, overlook, keep it moving, remain professional, that really no one else other than a black woman can really relate to. And so I think that's why it's so important for me when I see these students to really take them under my wing and also encourage them, lift them up, let them know you are beautiful, you have a crown. You are making an impact. You will do this. You can set your sets higher. You can't, there's no, I mean, shatter all the glass ceilings because you deserve it. And as long as you put in the work and the effort, you will be victorious in your efforts. And so I think we all need those kind of cheerleaders who we know can relate to us. And I think that's what my role has been for so many of my students. You know, and it's as as a white man too, I will say this, a lot of times when somebody who comes from a different background can explain to me what they either had to overcome or what the way they see things. A lot of time it's eye opening for me. and It's a good learning lesson for me. So like, I'm not 
I think that that's really important because we always need to expand our horizons in so many ways. So especially when it's like connecting with patients to kind of going back to like, you know, we're both pharmacists, right? But we both have patients of every different background. And you have to be able to connect with them in some way, whether it's so they can take their medication better, whether it's just so you can culturally understand each other when any number of issues comes up. And that's why I think it's important, too, is so they can help educate people like me who are from the quote unquote Americana, if you will, and don't have those experiences. And I, I, I know the hair thing well, even though I don't have to deal with that because I had a technician who was black and would come in with different hair different hairstyles and one pharmacist the one time touched her hair and i had to actually go have a serious conversation with her like look <laughs> no one does that to you don't do that to them and oh eric i can't tell you how many times people try i mean like we're, this is not a petting zoo like <laughs> how often seriously do people go up to women of other races and just yep. automatically assume that they should start touching like i don't know you from adam you're trying to touch my hair who does that but you'd be surprised how often that happens and Something that I do want to touch on that you just mentioned, which is absolutely true, is that connection. You know, when COVID-19 vaccines came out, there was a lot of hesitancy and for people in different demographics for different reasons. But, you know, rightfully so, we had a lot of black and brown people who did not trust getting the vaccine. And I think that with my husband and I having a black-owned pharmacy in Williamsburg, I cannot tell you how many people I know personally came to us because they trusted us because we looked like them and yeah. that in itself like i've had people who you know and, and, and even now we still have first time you know people coming in to get their first vaccine we never belittle them we're never kind of sending to them we cheer their world we cheer them more. we're like good for you i'm glad you finally got to the place where you feel comfortable enough to get it and just having that approach you know it's one of those things where people are so thankful they're so appreciative they come to us because they feel like they won't be judged. They come to us because they feel like they can ask questions. They can be themselves and express all of their concerns and we can have dialogue. And I've, you know, I distinctly recall, um, this was a few months back now, but I had a black lady that came in um, and, you know, I had a room full of people. Our pharmacy is not that big. It's nice, it's cute little quaint, you know, got a spa fill vibe to it, um, <laughs> but it's not a large space. And, we, on a regular basis, just to give you, you know, perspective from a day to day, you know, we could do anywhere from 80 to 100 vaccines. And we're talking about flu shots, pneumonia shots, shingle shots, meningitis shots, yellow fever shot. I mean, all types of vaccines we do. We've gotten known to be the one stop shop shop in Williamsburg. Doctors send all their patients to us for their vaccine. So I had a room full of people. It was super busy. I was very stressed. This lady came to me. She walked up to me, caught me kind of as I was walking back and forth between giving vaccines, tears in her eyes, wanting to have a conversation with me. I took 10 minutes in a room full of crowded people, tears in her eyes, had a quiet conversation with her because I knew that's what she needed to get her vaccine. She yeah. told me she appreciated it. She was going to think about it. She came back three hours later to get her vaccine. And so that's where making that, um, that connection can be so crucial. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. We're going to wrap this up here a little bit, listeners. But two questions I ask every guest who comes on the podcast. If you could change one thing about pharmacy that isn't the law, what would it be? Definitely, it would be the perception of community pharmacy. Because I think, like I said, unfortunately, we've gotten such a bad rap because of retail pharmacy. And, you know, I'm such a champion for community pharmacy because this was not a fallback for me. So many people kind of wind up in community pharmacy because the residency didn't work out or the fellowship didn't work out. 
I went to pharmacy school to be a community pharmacist and I love community pharmacy. And so I want to see community pharmacy kind of be lifted up and elevated in a way that people remember that we are the most accessible healthcare provider, that we are still one of the most trusted healthcare providers. And so that is my goal when it comes to kind of, I guess, putting community pharmacy back on the forefront, like, hey, we, we're here and we're beneficial to the profession of pharmacy. Yeah, I, as somebody who started out in the same mentality, I completely endorse that, that change. Um, if you could change now one law in pharmacy, federal or state, what would it be and why? Well, I would certainly like them to make a law on when it comes to the, these um, PBMs and DIR fees. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But also, I would say when it comes to prescribing, that's something that's kind of on the horizon. Some states are already kind of... Um, going in that direction. But I think it kind of, even if we could do it on a federal level where for little things like, you know, strep tests and uh, flu tests and, you know, UTIs, we have a standing order with the physician that allows us to, because we do the rapid strep, rapid flu, um, testing at our store. And so, you know, it comes back positive, we can give azithromycin or Tamiflu if needed. But I think it would be better if we didn't have to have a standing order. And that's something we could just do on our own. So while I don't think that maybe pharmacists are going to be prescribing all types of things, and rightfully so, you know, I don't think it's, you know, cardiologist is doing the federalized and that's, you know, that's not, I'm probably not going to be prescribing that. But for regular little ailments that, you know, patients come in with all the time, I think, um, we, you know, we should have those prescribing rights. I, again, completely agree with that as somebody who has been in your uh, your shoes of community pharmacy before. Um, hey, uh, Dr. Ranger, you've been amazing. I love that you're such a voice with the profession and especially within the smaller niche of the black pharmacy profession. So thank you for being such a voice. Uh, people look for her book, The Mustard Seed Mentality. Uh, you can find it anywhere you can find books. I'm sure it's on Amazon, everywhere else. But also follow her on LinkedIn. She is amazing and shares tons of great resources. I know in the short time I've been following her, I've picked up a ton of like small little things that are absolutely amazing. So Dr. Ranger, keep keep doing you and being amazing and spreading the mustard thank seed mentality. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Great conversation. Um, and good luck with all your future endeavors as well. Thanks. And listeners, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy politics.